Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Campus Rush Podcast. We know that this episode today is going to bless your life and take your vision to the next level. We hope that you can share it, subscribe, and be a part of what God is doing right here at Carleton University, around the world, at Campus Rush. By the name of John the Baptist. Everybody knows John the Baptist. You know the story. You know that his assignment was extremely clear. Nick, his assignment was extremely clear. His assignment was what? Was to baptize people, tell them to repent from the wrongs, and let them know that he's there to prepare the way for the Messiah. That was his assignment. Very, very clear. He knew exactly what he was meant to do. Everybody born of a woman has a purpose, has an assignment. That's without sin. Everybody has a purpose. Just just put your hand on your stomach and say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. And I take a step further and say, I'm walking in purpose. I'm walking it's in one purpose. thing to know your purpose, another thing to walk in your purpose. When you begin to walk in your purpose, that's where everything aligns from heaven to earth. Last Thursday we were praying, and one of our prayers was, God, we want to experience a heaven on earth experience. And for those that, that, that haven't, uh, you know, don't know about it, uh, God has instructed me that before service at 7.45, we come together and we pray for a time, and we begin to set the atmosphere in our lives, and the atmosphere in the place, the hall that we're meeting, to call down so that we have a heaven on earth experience every single Thursday. When you have a heaven on earth experience, what happens is the promises of heaven blessing begin to align with earth. That's what happens. When you have a heaven on earth experience, what happens is everything that God has designed by way of healing, by way of blessing, by way of prosperity, by way of of whatever you have, by way of joy, by way of peace, is brought into alignment to the design that is here on earth. So when you don't pray the prayer, that's what the Bible says in Matthew 6, this is the way that you should pray. It's the way that you should pray. That means that this he's telling us this is the prayer mechanism. This is the mandate for prayer. It's the blueprint for prayer. Our Father who? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more time. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that there is a way in heaven for you to live here on earth. Everything has to fall within divine alignment. So when you are not living your heaven experience on earth, you're out of alignment. That's to do with your life, that's to do with your ministry life, that's to do with everything about you. If you are not living your heaven on earth experience here on earth, you are out of alignment. Now how do you know that you are out of alignment? Very simple. You know that you are out of alignment when you know that things in your life are not working the way that they should work. Where things that are normally easy for you to do in a season, are are relatively hard now. Where times where you had a hunger and a prayer, a hunger and a passion for prayer, you don't have that hunger, you don't have that passion anymore for a certain thing that you know you normally should have that hunger for. You are out of alignment. So the way that you bring yourself into alignment is to remember the purpose of God for your life. John the Baptist knew his purpose. I like communicating tonight. John the Baptist knew his purpose. His purpose was to prepare either way Tell people to repent from their sins, or repent from their sins, and to baptize people in water. That was his purpose. Everybody under the sun has a specific purpose. Now, we pick up this scripture um, in John chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Luke. I'm talking about the subject, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. John chapter 1 is what I want to read. Actually, I'll jump to John chapter 3. This is after, of course, Jesus is baptized by John in the river, you know, all that stuff. It says, afterward, this is verse 22 of John chapter 3. So John, the third chapter, verse 22. Afterward, Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem 
but they stayed in Judea for a while and they baptized there. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. You have to, you have to underline that right there, okay? His purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. His purpose was to tell, to tell people to repent from their sins and to baptize people in the water, okay? Now, what John had to do was very simple. When the Messiah came, he recognized it was the Messiah. I mean, it was his cousin. He knew that this was the Messiah. And at the proper time, uh, he recognized him as the Messiah. And he baptized him in the river. And when he baptized him in the Jordan River, you guys know the story. What happened was that the heavens opened. A dove ascended from heaven, descended from heaven. You know, the whole nine yards. Everything happened. And he was affirmed. A voice came to say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, that part of the scripture has already been fulfilled. The Messiah has already come. So you have to understand this in this scripture that John technically did not have to continue baptizing. Understand and know when functions and areas of your purpose come to an area of completion. A lot of us in the church struggle, especially on tour, we struggle with knowing when an area in our purpose has been completed. Christians don't like this whole thing of completion. I've, honestly, I've been a pastor for five years. One thing that I can pick up in this five years is that a lot of people don't like this area of completion. Mm. They like being in a state of, of having to continually work and work and work and work and work. But what if God tells you, you're done? Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Think about that. What if God tells you that an aspect of your purpose has been completed? Move on to phase two. An aspect of your purpose has been completed. Move on to phase three. So this is what happens is John the Baptist, and I'm going to show you two things that's happening in the scripture that's perpetuating him to continue in an old season when God has called him to a new season. It says, at this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anna near Salem because, why? There was plenty of water and the people kept on coming. The people kept on coming. I want you to take this scripture in and understand this. That just because there's resource for something doesn't mean you have to continue in an old purpose. Okay? Just because there's resource for a thing doesn't mean you have to continue in a thing. You have to understand when things come to completion and when God is calling you further to go and do something that is in a new season. Just tap your neighbor real quick and tell the neighbor Mm -hmm. You have to understand. You have to understand when a season is ended, and another season is going to begin. You have to. It's it's completely necessary. You have to know the seasons of completion. You have to. You have to understand that. It's bigger than you simply because of this fact. And if you actually go later on in that scripture, um, you'll understand. You'll see that John the Baptist actually ends up catching the fence. If you look at the scripture, you understand. I'm just doing kind of a brief overview. But if you actually go deeper in the scripture, go on to other chapters, you'll, you'll begin to see that, you know, he ends up in jail. And you know the whole story. He ends up in jail and he's just offended because Jesus hasn't come to visit him in jail. And he's like, I'm locked up and I'm here and, and Jesus has never come. And, you know, I hear that he's doing big things and that's my cousin and all this is happening. But, hey, I was the one that was baptizing before he came. And then he, he takes on this unholy, on this unholy competition, the spirit of competition. Uh, because he can't fail, or he's failing to understand that an aspect of his purpose has ended. Mm. An 
aspect of his purpose has been completed. So instead of them thanking God for the completion of the thing and moving on and building upon the foundation of what has already been built, he's comparing where he is to where somebody is, even though he was there beforehand to prepare the way. Go in the scriptures, you'll see it, that he was Elizabeth. Elizabeth was his mom. He understands that even in the womb, you guys know the story, even in the womb, as Mary was pregnant with Jesus, as she walks inside Elizabeth's house, what happens is John the Baptist begins to leap in the womb. John the Baptist always had a connection with Jesus, and the connection was very simple. The purpose was prepare you the way for the Lord. The way has been prepared. Don't keep baptizing if there is an excess of water. Mm -hmm. Learn the times and seasons when things have completed. Mm -hmm. You have to know the area of completion because you're working in something that is completely bigger than you. you see, the problem of not recognizing the completion of a thing is, is, is an attachment to a thing. Can, can I talk about it? Yes, sir. So the aspect of... of of not wanting to move on from a thing is that you become so connected, so addicted to working on a thing, on a project, that you don't know where to draw the line between I finished working and I have to continue and build something on the foundation of what God is using me to build. It's when there is an unhealthy, an unholy attachment to the success of a last thing. And what happens is because of that, it's more about you and how you feel about that project mm. than it actually is about who you're servicing through that. Mm. Think about it. Mm. John the Baptist, I'm sure at a point, was more, he was more focused, more con considerate, uh, more, 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 uh, he wanted more to know this simple thing, that I am the one that people are coming to, to be baptized. I don't want to think, I mean, hey, I'm not John, but if I was to take on his shoes for a couple of minutes, this is a leader's meeting, this is a team night, and so I can, you know, let my theological, you know, imagination run wild a little bit. If I was in his shoes, given this scenario, I think one thing that I'd be, I'd be telling myself is, hey, I'm more focused on how many people are coming to me than I'm actually focused on the people that I'm meant to be baptizing. Like I don't care about the people, the action of it, I just care about the numbers mm. who's coming to me. Mm. Because if you look at it throughout the story, a lot of it would have to do with they're going to him and not you. They're going to be baptized by him and not you. Jesus is also baptizing in as much as I'm baptizing and they're going to Jesus instead of coming to me and other people are doing what I used to do. And so there's a spirit of competition and you realize that it's actually more about how you feel in the process of a thing than it's actually about the people you're servicing in the thing. How is that useful to you? To you? Very simple. When you become addicted to a system and not to service the people. You're more fascinated with the makeup of a thing than you actually are about the functionality of a thing. Mm. So we come to church and it's more about how many people are in the church than how many people are being touched and helped in the church. Wow. It's bigger than you. Shout out, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's literally bigger than you. This thing that we're doing is not a, a, a one-man thing, nor is it a, a hundred-person thing. It's bigger than all of us. This thing that we're doing here, I mean, we, we traveled and went to um, 
Chicago over the weekend. And uh, where's Pastor Kelvin? Is he here somewhere? Come, he came with me. He traveled with me for the first time on the road. And, you know, I put him to work as we did. Mm -hmm. But he traveled with me, and there were so many people that would come up to us and tell us, hey, like your ministry here is just blessing us. And there was a girl who had been following us for since 2016. 2016, and there was another girl who would literally, she said she wanted to meet us, but the only way she could meet us is if she volunteered in the youth department. So months before the conference, she started volunteering with the Anwa youth. <laughs> just so that while we were ministering, they could be there because it was a youth thing. It was only for like ages 13 to 18 or something like that. Yeah. And there were like literally 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds are waiting outside like, yo, how come we can't get in there? And the youth pastor's like, nope, just for youth. You know what I mean? And it was discriminating against older people. And so what they had to do was join team just to be able to work and to meet us and to shake our hands. And who are we? We are human beings. But we have to understand that just because I'm here and I'm plowing in Ottawa and I think nobody's looking at me and just because you're standing at the door shaking people's hands, do you think that this is just all I'm doing? Somebody halfway across the world is saying, wow, I'm being blessed by this service here. Um, it's bigger than you. I'm yeah. It's bigger than you. John, it's not about how many people come to you to be baptized. Mm. It's about how many people are impacted by your life. How many people you are actually calling. How many people you're checking up on. How many people are you saying, man, I know what's going on in that brother's life. That sister came to me for prayer. It's about the individual ministry. It's not about the corporate house alone. But it's about the micro level ministry. My heart breaks, literally. My heart breaks. I was sharing with the team earlier. My heart breaks for individuals that come and they say, when we ask them, have you come to campus trust? They say, I've been here once, I've been here twice, and I left. And I say, why are these people leaving? There is a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And the disconnect is simple. It's because there's been a focus of a lens switch from a a micro level, one on one, to now a corporate level, which is necessary at a point. But just because we are on a corporate global level, we can't neglect the fact that we are a church that needs to be one on one. Every time I go to bed, I'm not thinking, of, oh my gosh, there's, there's you know, a thousand people here. So I'm not thinking like John the Baptist, who I was thinking that how many people can I baptize volume? Mm. I was, I'm not thinking about volume, I'm thinking about impact. How, um, how many people mm. at an individual level or micro level mm. are being impacted by the ministry? Yeah. Because it's individual people that form corporate bodies. Yeah, yeah. Don't think that this movement is just a movement. Mm. No, this movement is individual people mm -hmm. with individual needs. Mm -hmm. And if we ever want to be a ministry, which we will be, that will, that will, that will you know, prophesy and minister to millions and millions of people, we have to be a ministry that is focused on the micro level yeah. one on one. Yeah, yeah. We have to. Jesus. We have to. I want to share a scripture with you. Pastor, just stay right there. I want to share a scripture with you. Matthew 9 35 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want you to keep that scripture at the back of your mind as I read Luke 15. 
says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisee and teachers of religious law complain that he was associated with such despicable people, even eating with them. Verse 3. So Jesus used this illustration. He said, if you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the one that is lost mm. until you found it? I want you to underline that one. Until you found it. Until you found it. Okay? One more time. If you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until mm. you found it? Okay? Mm. So you three people up here. Three people up here. Three people. Shay, just stand right here. Most of males. Just stand right here. You're going to represent the one, okay? You guys are going to represent the 99. 99. You're the one. Now, with the scripture in mind, I'm going to read it again. Now, we're going to correlate beautifully. Take this in, guys. We're going to correlate. We're marrying two scriptures here, okay? So, we're going to do a backdrop of two scriptures. It's a teaching time. All right, pay attention to this right here. It says, Matthew 9 35, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Okay, laborers, what do laborers do? They work, right? Work. Laborers work. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Okay. Mm. Now we're correlating that with the fact that Jesus is, is now saying, if you lost 99, if you lost one rather, and you're with the 99, would you not leave the 99 mm. and search for the one mm. until you find it? Mm -hmm. Until means what? It means that you look and look and look and still not find. Mm -hmm. And look and look and look and still not find. Mm -hmm. And look and look and look and you will still not find. Until, which means you will search and sweat, but then you will find eventually. Yeah, yeah. You see? So there's a correlation between looking for the 99 until and laborers. Mm. Laboring is working. Mm. Until is working. Mm. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Until is working. So it means that the 99 represent wholeness. Mm. It represents your world, what's happening in your life, your school, your project, the things that you're going through, the things that you, this is my problem, this is my baggage, this is my issue, this is, this is me, this is my life, this is my world. 99, it's all together, nothing's out of line, at least it's all together. God is focusing on me individual. But the 99 means that you have to leave your world. Mm. Leave your ministry. Mm. Leave your team. Leave your church. Like leave, you have to leave and go and search for the one. Now understand that the one also represents a part of the 99. You're looking for 100. So the one is also a part of the pack. But the one is one that got lost. Something had happened. Mm. So it means that somebody that was under your care, under your watch, as a shepherd. We're still in this Good Shepherd series. So one person that was under your watch had slipped away. So it's saying, would you not leave? So it's asking the question. Mm. Would you not leave? Now, why would Jesus ask that question? Jesus is asking that question because he knows that the human heart is... He said, if you lost one, would you not go and search? Mm -hmm. You would. And it says, you would search until you found. That's why the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why? Because there are many ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yes, sir. There are many ones, but there's not enough people that have the heart to mm -hmm. leave the 99. Jesus. It's wholeness. It's all together. I can manage it. 
I can, I can, I can watch it. But see, a lot of us don't want to leave the 99 because we feel if we leave the 99 and go search for the one, by the time we come back, there'll be 98, 97. Mm. No, you see, God looks at the heart. He knows that if you were to leave the 99, He will take care of the 99 yeah, as yeah. long as your heart is circumcised for the one. Yeah. It's a heart problem. This is the issue here. It's a heart thing. It's, oh, why wouldn't you want to go and leave and find the one? It's a heart situation. Why wouldn't you want to go check up on that person you haven't seen in two weeks? It's a heart thing. Why don't you want to connect with people after service? It's a heart thing. Mm. I have too much going on. There's too much heaviness. Like, I, I have so many things. I mean, 99 sheep, that's a lot of people. That means I've got to pick up after everybody's uh, feces. That means I have to feed everybody. That means I'm doing everything. I mean, I'm so tired. But God is saying, would you not? Mm. Mm. Why would you even think to stay with the 99 and not go after the one? The one represents dying people. Mm. The one represents dying generation. The one represents that person who came to church twice and left because I didn't feel like the one represents the individuals that need a touch of Jesus, that need to be brought back into the sheepfold. But God is looking for laborers, 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 laborers that will search until. Am I communicating? Mm, yes, sir. Laborers that will search until they find. What does that mean? That means that you will leave the 99 and there will be times when you're trying to search and not find and you'll contemplate. Should I go back to the 99 where things are okay, I have my own life? Or will I just send that text to that brother who I know is going through something this week? Mm. And search for the one. And maybe he doesn't reply. But just because he doesn't reply, it doesn't mean you have to stop. Mm. Until means that you will be rejected one time. You have to keep going. It means that he may not pick up, she may not pick up the third time. You keep going until you find and even when you do find the one, a lot of us do this. We take them from this position and we bring them all the way back and to the 99. But you know what you're supposed to do? Mm. When you find the 99, mm. you consolidate them. Mm. One step, baby steps. Two step, three step. Because the 99 is right. The 99 already has a function, already mm. has a chemistry. They're together, they're, they're sheep fold, but this is a straight sheep. Mm. Sheepfold, straight sheep. You can't throw a straight sheep into the sheepfold. It doesn't happen overnight. So many of us, we search until we find, we bring them and throw them right back inside. Two months later, they're one again. Hmm. They're the one again. Because we don't take our time to say, hey, you left, you were with me. You left, you went You went back into smoking, you went back into the clubs, you went back into depression, you went back into suicide, subtle thoughts, you went back uh, you know, into, into that toxic relationship. Instead of us going down to their level to say, hey, I know that even though you're gonna be here and you're turned towards the sheepfold, I know that you may not have a desire as of yet but to go into the sheepfold. So you know what has to minister to them? The fact that you are spending time and you are loving them back to life. Loving them back to life. So you take your time and you have you walk with them and you take one step and you're getting closer to the sheepfold and you take second step, so a second step, and you're getting closer to the sheepfold and you go to a third step until they fit and they flow with the rest of what God has put inside of your hand. 
AC uh, pull back there, please. And a lot of you are saying, I feel you, Pastor Kof. This sermon is great. It's, you know, it's tugging on my spirit. I get it, so on and so forth. But how am I really going to reach out to somebody when I have so many things? I mean, I'm working. I mean, I'm in school. I mean, uh, I'm trying to get married somehow. You know, I mean, you know, I'm trying to graduate school. I'm trying to start a business. Is not doing too well, so I'm going to change this or another. You have so much going on in your world. You think, Pastor Cole, how will I ever have time? I know some people think, where will I find the time to search out for the one? You see, this is why it's so important for us as young people, as, as laborers, to always have somebody who is watching over you. It's important. One, they will tell you how much you can and cannot handle. Secondly, it's so great to have pastors, leaders, people who are over you because they can watch your process. In as much as you're going and you're watching and going after the one, you can then have somebody who's watching over the rest of yours. So what happens is, although you're spending your time, the one that is over you can say, hey, You've gone to the extent, because now a lot of people are asking this question. Pastor, what if I've gone and they don't want to come? Leave. No, but that's not the pastoral thing to do. That's not the Christian thing to do. I hope you guys know about it. That's not, you're just talking about bringing them in. Yes, you can bring them in, but God gives everybody one thing. Will. Will. I can come here and I can say, Shale, please just stand for a minute, please. Shale, move. Please, go back. I searched. I mean, God was looking for laborers. I put myself on the line. I came to the altar and I told God that I would go and win souls for him. I'm here. I left my 99. I have bare stuff to do. I left everything that's whole right now about my life. I left all the good things about the 99. I'm searching for you. I haven't found you. I searched. I found you. I worked to find you. Please. Go back to the sheepfold. Go back to the sheepfold. Go back to the sheepfold. Push somebody beyond the will. If you come to this extent and you offer your hand to walk with them, it's just as though you're taking somebody to the river to drink and they don't want to put the water in their mouth. Mm. I'm going to force the water into their mouth. Mm. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? You can stay here. When you're ready, come. I'll be with the night. When you're ready, call me. And you know the greatest thing about it is that God has such a great sense of humor. Because I would say eight out of ten times, they will call you. <laughs> they, no, seriously. Eight out of ten times, they will actually call you. Why? Because when the going gets tough and they search for everything, look at Kanye. Mm -hmm. Great album. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Look at Kanye. What happened to him? After everything he's done, like the prodigal son that's come back. Wants to come back. Demi Lovato, you were showing me. It was a huge show, yeah. Demi Lovato went to Jordan River in Israel, got baptized. She said she's been depressed for years. This is the first time she feels alive. Justin Bieber, he's singing worship songs at, 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 at what's the guy's the church? Uh, Judas Smith's church in Seattle. What? Everybody's realizing man, people have come to evangelize to me. I told them, hey, I don't want to come to the sheeple because I don't like church. I don't like Christian stuff. I don't like all the stuff in your world. Mm -hmm. 
let me stay here. And a bunch of pastors, a bunch of leaders said, okay, cool, stay there. When you're ready, let me know. Now they're crying out. And let me just address this. This is not a part of what I'm trying to say. But let me just address it. When people are crying out, this is not the time to say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. No. And this is what the church is doing, especially the Kanye. My gosh. They're doing this. I got my 99. I don't you're crying out, oh, hey, I knew you. Okay, you're saying all that stuff, but you're not lending out a hand <laughs> to go and take their hand and baby steps. You know what baby steps means? Baby step means that they will come to church and still go out the next day. <laughs> baby steps mean that they will come to the altar and they still might go and sleep with somebody tomorrow. <laughs> Because they're conflicted. It's baby steps. I don't expect somebody in the sheepfold to go and be doing something that the one is doing. Why? Because you've been under this tutelage for so long. Mm -hmm. That is, should you make a mistake like that, it's out of your own indiscipline. Mm -hmm. But if you're the one that is that is making those mistakes, you know what I say? I say, don't worry about it. I know you, you, we took one step forward, we took two steps back. That's all right, as long as we're in the forward direction. We can go back and forth all day long. But one day, sooner or later, we will arrive with the sheepfold. Sooner or later, Jesus. we will arrive. Tell somebody, I didn't even come to preach, but I feel this message on my heart and tell somebody today, don't lose faith in the one. Do you know how many ones we have every single Thursday at the church? Ones that are looking for shepherds, they leave 99 and go for one. God is looking for laborers. Laborers. He's looking for laborers, thank you guys. He's looking for laborers. 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 The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are. says it best. Okay, Matthew 6 21 says it best. It says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. That's why I'm saying that it's a heart thing. Because if you believe, come up here real quick guys, sorry. Come up here real quick. <laughs> and you see, this goes back to the John the Baptist thing. John the Baptist, I don't know, like this is just my own interpretation of it. Everybody may have to this is just my interpretation. I feel like he was just addicted to baptizing. Like, mm. I, I feel he found joy out of it. Like, this is my purpose. Like, he doesn't be like, I'm going to keep baptizing. Jesus has come. I'm going to keep baptizing. He's right here. Keep baptizing. Like, close down their shop and become a disciple. Just follow him. Like, can you imagine what would happen if John the Baptist just followed Jesus? Do mm. you know the, the, the things that they could do together? Bible says that amongst all of them, this guy is one of the mightiest prophets in the Bible. Says that the guy knew God, like the guy knew God to walk the face of the earth. The guy carried power, anointed, anointed. He had an issue. Is that he he, he he couldn't 
understand and know the point whereby this is purpose I didn't move it. And he had to move it. So look at the scripture. Well, if I see you back so look at the scripture. It says in verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will also be. So God has given you a heart for the 99. Okay? But we have to begin to look at things differently. Every single person has a purpose in that set. Right? Now, one of the joys of leadership is discovering and how allowing others to also discover the treasure in them. Mm -hmm. So this is a different type of revelation, a different type, like I'm taking your leadership to another level because you have to begin to see that the treasure is not in events. The treasure is not in attendance. Mm -hmm. The treasure is not in great services. The treasure is in people. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes, sir. The treasure is in people. So it says that wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart, and I love the NLT, the other version says, the desires of your heart and your thoughts will also be. So it means that if this is my treasure, the treasure is inside Shane. Like, I, I, I get happy when she fulfills destiny. I, like I get, I get happy. So my treasure is there. So because my treasure is there, there my heart is also. So that means that I will go at whatever extent to go and make sure that she comes back to the sheepfold because this is where my heart is. Because a lot of people are saying, well, maybe I know this is God's word, but maybe I just don't have to drive for it. It's because your heart first has to be there. You have to have the heart, the willingness, the heart to want to do something. So when your heart is where your treasure is, you will go through whatever extent at that point being a laborer and working until or nothing to you. You will be a laborer. You will work until you receive something simply because you know that the moment that she comes to the sheepfold and when she's under the sheepfold, she's under tutelage. And after she's under tutelage, she will be corrected. She will be guided. She will be brought into the things of God. She will know God. At that point, the true essence of her being now comes out. The anointing on her life comes out. The treasure on her life comes out. And when the treasure that I see, she sees, I win. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Because leadership is like this, okay? Leadership is like this. Go back here, please. Leadership mm -hmm. is like this. I see treasure. She doesn't see treasure. Mm -hmm. That's leadership. Okay? Leadership is, I see where Luke is going to be in five years. Luke can't see where he's going to be in five years. So you know what I have to do? I have to position Luke so that he gets to where he can't see. So that he doesn't miss purpose. That's my job. That's the job of a shepherd. That's the job of a pastor. That's the job of a leader. So in as much as I'm doing that for you, this is now your job to do that for others. So you have to be able to position people in your teams, your ministries, your lives that will be in a place whereby in a few years time in the future, they can now see the treasure that you have seen all along. So, I use myself as an example. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I use myself as an example. I always wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a lawyer. And, and so, uh, my dad knew that I loved the arts. and I loved to write. Um, and so, a lot of things he would tell me is, Kofi, focus, focus, focus. I mean, at one point, he bought me 99 pencils. 
And all of them were like wooden pencils. At the end of it, it had blue writing, and the writing was focused. And he said that, I want you to focus. So every time I'm writing a test, I will look at the pencil, I said, my dad told me to focus. So I have to focus. Because he said, if you want to be a lawyer, and you want to go to law school, you have to focus. Embarrassing, isn't that right? You got to focus. You got to know what you want to do. You have to go after it. You have to be focused. So that helped me for a little bit. And then, you know, when I got to high school, my dad began to realize that, you know, Kofi, I think that if you want to do law, you should do it afterwards, but first do social work because I see a treasure that you don't see. Mm -hmm. And so he took me on a walk one day. And he took me on a walk around my neighborhood and we're walking, walking, and then, you know, he said, I want you to, to do social work. And I said, Dad, social work's for girls. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just never know these days. You know? <laughs> 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 just gotta be honest. And I said, you know, at the time, okay, this is, you know, some, a while ago, I don't know what I'm but I told myself to that, you know, I don't see much, I don't see many males in social work, so I don't want to be in that profession. He looked at me and said, go for where you're going, you need this profession. And I said, that's all I want to do is play music. I just want to tour the world, you know. Be a lawyer, have a nice wife, you know, some nice kids, come and visit you on holidays, you know, <laughs> just be a good son, you know, support the church, I'll be in the music ministry, just, you know, I don't really care to the church things, that's just what I want. And so he said, go to social work. So you know what, I applied, I applied to social work, I applied to uh, journalism, I applied to public policy, I applied to political science, I applied to international affairs. I got into every program. And the funniest thing about it is that with the social work program, oh, Jay's here, with the social work program, they only accept like 30 people or 29, like 29 people from high school, something crazy like that, 29 people. I did the application and I didn't hand it in myself. I was going to Ghana, I gave it to my brother. I was like, yeah, I think the deadline's are today. My, my brother's like, the deadline's today. He drove to the school. He ran up Dunton Tower, all the way up Dunton at Carlton. Went and go handed it in right before they closed. It, mine was like the last application they took. I didn't care about it. And then months later, I received it. They're like, yeah, you've been admitted. This is my dad. I was like, told my dad, like, yeah, I got admitted to the program. And I was like, what? Out of all the thousands of people, they chose 29 and you were a part of 29? I was like, yeah, I mean, like, it's whatever. Like, I don't want to do it. And I'm just going to like choose like, you know, policy or journalism. And I was like, no, 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 you're doing this. Doing this, man. I said, like, dad, I don't want to. He's like, you know what? Okay, fine. This time my leadership stop. Make your own decision. I looked at it and I said, I mean, if God is talking to my dad about this thing, I wasn't even that deep spiritual. I said, I mean, it looks like he's adamant about this, so let me just do this social work thing. My cousin's a social worker, you know, she has a nice life, so let me just, yeah. That's, that, was, that was my reasoning as a 17-year-old man, you know, boy. So yeah, let me just, yeah. So I went into social work, and as the program went on, it was a great program, and it was nice, and, and through that program I realized that my dad was secretly positioning me to be a pastor. <laughs> Because everything the program is about is how to talk to people, how to deal with people, and better yet, how to dust off the dust off the treasure of individuals. Hmm. It's a skill that everybody has to pick up that is in a leadership position. How to put on your gloves and how to shine the diamond that rests on the inside of every single individual. And that's all social work is, is making sure that their diamond shines bright, that the treasure is found, that the goodness in somebody will be brought out for yeah. people to see, whether that be mentally, whether that be psychologically, however, however. 
So I went through that, and you know, uh, through that, you know, campus first started, and as the ministry started, uh, you know, I went to do my master's, my PhD now, and now I'm realizing if I hadn't done a bachelor in social work, I would not be equipped for what mm-hmm. I am today. Yeah. So it means this: it means that my father saw years ago the treasure in me. Mm-hmm. So he had to position me so that I would be in a place that in years time to come, my treasure will be seen for the whole world to see. So the same thing he did with me, you have to do with every single person in your team, is to find out where they're positioned so that their treasure will be seen and come out. Thank you so much. Please be There is a false and a fake perfection 
that believers think they walk into after the sinner's prayer. It's a facade of a perfection. So what happens is that's the development of masks. Masks become developed when you feel as though you were never once in a position of suffering or of confusion. So that's when pride and self-righteousness wells up in your heart to the point whereby you can't even lend a helping hand to somebody who doesn't know Jesus the same way you know Jesus. Just because their revelation is not yours doesn't mean you have to discriminate against their process. Am I making sense? Because the thing about it is this, is that I can't preach this type of sermon on a Thursday because if we don't get it as leaders, as workers, as servers, as team, then this will be a great Thursday service, but it will be no impact beyond Thursday service. This sermon is not for a Thursday. This sermon is for the Friday afternoon when somebody wants to commit suicide. It's for the Saturday night when somebody wants to go out and just get drunk. It's for the Sunday morning when somebody doesn't want to even come to church. They just want to stay and wrap up in their bed because they're tired of life. It's for those Holy Ghost moments where the Holy Spirit whispers to your ear and says, call this person, check up on this person, you know, uh, see how this person is doing, take this person out to lunch. You know what, when you see this person today, just smile at them and give them a hug and tell them that you love them. Those are the things that transform a church from just being an event-based church to an impact-based church. We don't just do events here. We do life, and so life has to be a part of impacting the individual. That's the heart of your leader. So you need to catch my spirit. Catch my heart. My heart is for the lonely. My heart is for the, is for the depressed. My heart is for, and it's not because I'm a social worker. It's the way that God has designed me. It's the anointing that comes upon me when you're called to a generation. Because when you're called to a generation, you're not just called to the perfect generation. You're not called to a saved generation. You're called to the saved and the unsaved. The whole and the broken. The lost and the lifted. So you're called to. And so, I just want us to repent. You know why we're repenting? We're repenting for every single moment the Holy Spirit told us to reach out to somebody in the I will go to a grocery store and the Holy Spirit will be like, invite this person to church. Like, if you're walking with me, sometimes I just do that randomly. Like, the Holy Spirit will tell me, invite this person to church or check up on this person. Or I'll go into the store and immediately, in my spirit, I will know this person, if you invite them and you talk to them, will come to church. I know how I'm not. So I enter into a store. I say, yeah, you know, grab me this, this pair of shoes or whatever the case is. You know what I do? I look for a place where I can connect with them. Because if I'm leaving the 99, chances are the one won't be the one that's standing. The one may be beaten down on the floor. So instead of me coming from the 99 to the one, from a place of authority, Oh my gosh, I'm for real, you don't cut out. You know, what are you doing? 
lot of guys have fresh cuts, and a lot of us go to Juicy Carbon is a great community. Shop and check it out. And now, you're bringing them from a kneeling down position, because chances are, they're working and they're there, but they're living a false reality that is a perfection-based reality mm -hmm. because they don't want to show people what they're going through. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this generation of people that are suffering but don't want to talk. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I, I, I hate to rant. I, I hope I'm not ranting. It's just on my heart. I, I don't understand it because if you can't tell somebody this, what are you going to do? Like, what, you're going to just die like this? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to open up your mouth and talk to somebody. I am struggling. What are you going to talk to? You keep it in your heart. And before we know it, you look different. Your countenance has changed. Your, your, your dieting has changed. You, you, know, you don't do things you like to do anymore. You have no passion for anything. And then we ask, why is this person not coming to church? They lost passion to serve. No, they were going through things and they didn't open up their mouth to talk about it. And it's like, oh, but nobody came to me. And, 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 and nobody came. We came to you. We came to you. We spoke to you. You were comfortable where you were. Because you were addicted to your love. John, you can help it. You wanted to baptize. That's a weird scripture. John wanted to baptize. He was addicted to baptize. He got addicted to something that you just done so long. When you, when you get to the point to be delivered and brought to a new level of revelation, Jesus was probably like, you know what? John, once you're finished baptizing, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm here. So you know what? Leave your position of comfort. Come with me and walk. And let's do this ministry together. But John had received so much popularity by being this voice in the wilderness. I mean, he had a title, Voice in the Wilderness. Voice in the wilderness. I'm old. A voice in the wilderness crying out. Wow. Great voice. He loved what he was doing. A lot of us love our pain. We love our struggle. We love our issues. That deliverance is not an option because you don't want people to know that you need deliverance. Why is there such a thing called deliverance if the believer will never need it? <laughs> deliverance, and you know what, and I repent, because deliverance is not an encounter thing. Deliverance is a lifestyle thing. You are daily being delivered into the person that God wants you to be. You are daily, daily. Deliverance happens every morning. Change drop off your life. Confusion is brought off your life. Daily. Daily. It's a daily that God deliver me from myself. That is the best deliverance you can ever pray. God deliver me from myself. Because a lot of us, our issue is ourselves. Your mind and your heart want to do something, but you can't connect your heart and your mind to your body. <laughs> you tell your body to move in a particular direction. Wake up and go to work. Yeah, I know I have to. Body your body. Wake up in the morning and say, I gotta do this. Because sometimes you have to do what you don't like to do what you do like. You're right, man. You think I like writing papers every week? No. You think, you, you honestly think I like writing papers? Every week, even though I enjoy the content. 
What do you think is nice and desirable for me? Like every week, just be right. Long papers and read. No. But in order to do what I want to do, I have to do something. I really want to enjoy doing for this time. My mom used to tell me all the time when I was in high school. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to school. She's like, go for it. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Can you imagine Jesus Christ? Oh, Lord, it says, look at the cup. This cup has to be over. It's going to be the most important lesson I've May this cup pass me over. I don't even want to do it. I please don't want to do it. I don't want to go on the cross. But God knew that without the sacrifice of blood, there'd be no remission of sin for us. So in order, and I'm sure in the heart of Jesus, he wanted his people to be because he's Trinity, three in one. So whatever is in the heart of God is in the heart of Christ. It's just the same. So, inasmuch as Jesus wanted to be on the cross so that the remission of sins can cover us so that we can now have salvation, he still said, let this come past me. What does that tell me? That tells me that if Jesus, our Lord and Savior at a point, did not actually want to do a thing, but did it anyways because he knew the outcome of it? Wow. What about you? You may in this moment right now want to not do something. But you have to press on because of the glory set before you. Press on for the glory set before you. That's what the hymn says. I'm pressing on the upward way. You hide some game every day. It means that even though you don't like what you're doing, every day you wake up and get closer to your glory. Oh, my God. There is a way. 
heart of love. He would give you his heart. He would give you his heart. If it's, if it's a heart thing, then he would give you his heart for the one. He would give you his heart. Love for the one. Love for the one. Love for the one. He would fill your heart for the one. Heart for the lost. Heart for the broken. Heart for the one. Heart for the one. Jesus.
new practical things to do off of this word, moving into this week, into this next season, that God would have set before us. Number one, reach out to somebody that you haven't seen in church in a long time. That's number one. Number one, practical steps. Reach out to somebody you haven't seen in church in a long time. Number one. Two, this week is bring your friend to church on Thursday and Sunday. Bring your friend to church on Thursday. Invite somebody who does not know Jesus. Invite your unbelieving friends. Invite somebody who needs desperately a touch from the master. Number two. Number three. Maybe I'll, I'll give you three. Number three. Connect with somebody that you haven't connected with after service on Thursday. That's number three. Number one was what? Okay, number two is fight a friend, a blue friend, number three. Yes, and number four, find out or talk to somebody you haven't spoken to in your ministry or in this leadership team or in this house here. Number four, those are practical steps that you can take so that you are operating in the spirit of laboring for, for the lost. You see, the lost is not just, I don't know, the lost, it, it, I have such a heart for the lost. The, the lost is not just outside the church. The lost could be in the church, the lost could be sitting here, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do in my future. I'm, I'm struggling at home. I serve a team, but I'm struggling, and nobody knows it. Nobody cares for me. No, like right here, right now, in this hall. It's not, you don't have to go too far. Right here in this room. Connect with somebody. In fact, let's, let's scrap that. Let's make it practical. After I pray, go and talk to somebody you know you do not have a relationship with, relationship with personally. Find out their Instagram, number, whatever. And just check up on them. Go up for a coffee. This is extremely platonic. <laughs> it's not romantic. I'm not saying it. He loves that. It's dumb. We promote marriages in this church. But, yeah. but if, 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 if you have to go up with them, talk. Develop a relationship. Because if we do not start here, it won't translate out there. And it's a cultural thing here. That's become a heart thing that I have to fix. I have to fix it. And it's gonna start here. <laughs> Check up on somebody. Call somebody. Connect with somebody. You don't lose. I've heard so much things about that person. Okay, you've heard. Go there. Mm. Talk to the person. Everybody says you're rude. But I've talked to you for five minutes and realized you're not rude. Jesus. Because it's a perception mm -hmm. that people have designed in their world to suit their insecurities and to suit their innermost being. So I give you four things. Yes, sir. Are we going to work on them? Please. Yes. Let's work on them.
let Book us know Christ. as a team. Amen? Also, um, Operation 100K is still alive and well Amen. by the grace of God. It is still happening. We've extended the time. Um, our deadline now, where's Nick? Is there some our deadline now is November 30th, okay, November 30th. We have a deadline to reach our goal 100K, right about 67. So we have our goal to reach 100K is by the end of November. November 29th and 30th is our leadership retreat. Um, the price is 100, uh, you know how to price it? Oh, oh yeah, we're going to price it. Okay. So we are uh, going to get the price to you this week. But it's going to be at our leadership retreat. It's at Strathmere where we went last year. It's one of the locations. It's really nice. It's not far. It's about 22 minutes from here. And so it's our leadership retreat. So if you have been on a re-encounter, or you are a RPA team, I think it's re-encounter, right? Yeah, if you've gone to a re-encounter, then you're eligible to come. But God touches my heart. I'll open it up to everybody. Everybody who works in the church. So that is November 29th and 30th. We have our encounter on November 9th, 15th to the 17th, right? 15th to the 17th of November is our encounter. So let's please get as many people registered. I should change your hand. So let's see. First from Orlando. Hey. Hey, guys. So uh, you can come and see her if you want somebody to come to the encounter and be registered. Um, we have a help program going on. And so people are going through the hub and then we'll go to the encounter. So that's how our November is looking like. It's a month of um, deeper connection. I'm really looking forward to our leadership retreat. It's going to be an awesome time together. Um, it's always a great time of just kind of reconnecting and coming together and building a relationship, going deeper in our, our, our chemistry as a team, as a ministry. So it's always a great time. So that's November 29th and 30th. Um, and then our 100K project is extended to that. So we will close out by God's grace our 100K project at our leadership retreat this year. Amen? Amen. It's going to happen? Yes, sir. It's going to happen? Yes, sir. I need you to believe it. It's going to happen? Yes, yes sir. Awesome. So if you have not sown yet, or if you wanted to sow, thank God now you have more time. Or if you've sown before and you're like, hey, I mean, I have more money I want to put towards this thing, put towards it and let's sow and let's close this project out at the end of the year. I wouldn't want to go into next year without the full balance that we can go put a down payment towards and see our house we can start working and doing all the great projects that God has placed on our heart to do so that we can properly position people so that they can realize the treasure in them. Wow. So let's let's do that. Um, I think that's all. Am I missing anything? No? I think that's all on my end for today. Praise God. Let's be like this Father, in the name of Jesus, would you hold hands with somebody here? This symbolizes you together.
Chicago a little bit. Just want to come and grab this. Let's detach. <laughs> Hey everyone, um, so I had the opportunity of traveling with the Bishop and the Prophet this weekend and um, first of all I can say it was an amazing time, um, it was really eye-opening. What I can say is sometimes it's, it's really shocking when you you see the, the fruit of just how amazing this ministry is and all that God has allowed uh, us to be a part of. Um, one thing that I really took is and we serve a great leader in our dad. I mean, he's, he's crazy. It's, 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 so, it's so amazing to see, like, uh, watching the grace of, of a man where, you know, it's a, it's a stale atmosphere in the moment, you know, you know, our dad and the prophet get on the scene, it just goes crazy. It's, it's, and it's, and it's on, a, on a huge stage where, I mean, there's so many people coming from all over the world for such a conference, and it's just humbling to, I thank you so much, Papa, for allowing me to, 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 be, a, to, to be a part of the, the, the people that went, and I can say that, man, like when you see it outside, you really get to see the context of how big it is when you're sitting in a place of like 8,000 people, and like, how the heck are we even here in this place? And people are like, from all the who's and who's and the who's and what's that are sitting there like, ah, it's like, Jeff Rush, right here, it's, it's crazy. But um, it was a great time, and uh, man, like, <laughs> if you if you really do get the chance, I say travel one time, probably really show you the scope of how impactful what God is doing here is, and I'm, I'm telling you, you'd be shocked. But thank you so much for showing for the chance. You know, it's humbling to go there and sit down, and you know, you're... There's like 8,000 people there, and you walk in, and all you have to say is campus rush. You're like, oh, VIP. You're like, God, how did we even get here? Do you know what I mean? Like, kids in classrooms, and now we're sitting in a VIP section for people who would be dying to be here. In front of us is Bishop Joel Tudman, who just preached at Potter's House two weeks ago. And to the, in front of him is, is Brandon Clack. And in front of him is, is, is Apostle Matthew Stevenson. And in front of him is Apostle Duhart. And in front of him is Bishop Kevin Wallace. And these are all like big names in the preacher world. Like in the new generation of upcoming preachers. And you're just like right beside them. And you know, I prophesied some years ago. And I said that this year there's coming a time. I think, was it 2017 or 2018? That at 2017 I said we'd be at the table. Is it? No, I think I said 2017 we were going to sit at the table. I said 2018, we're going to make, yeah, we're going to speak at the table. And 2019 has been a year where we're going to make decisions at the table that we're going to influence culture. That is exactly what God has used us to do. That's exactly. And I'm so excited because you know what's going to happen in 2020? God is now using you guys to create tables. create tables in every arena of life. Not just ministry, but outside of ministry. You, know what a table? you can only create a table that people will sit at when they trust and know that you've sat at some tables they haven't sat at. Oh God. Yeah. 
when you get to a point whereby, whereby your ministry is influential and your, your, your business is influential, when you go to a city like we're going to go next year and do a revival night tour globally, and when you go to different places and create spaces for people to be influencers, then you know that God has used you not just to be a sign, but a wonder. Amen. Only my Hamilton people will know that. God has used us to be a sign and a wonder. A sign gives you direction. A wonder is when you become what nobody expected you to become. When you see a stop sign, you stop. God is going to make you a sign that you're going to direct people to their destinies. And then it's going to make you a wonder because people thought you would never get to this level. But you become at that level. Wonder is the extra. Wonder is the, is the extra. Is the extra. How can you walk into a valley of dry bones tell the bones to connect? That's a sign. The bones are there. Wonders when the breath of God, the four winds blow, and they come into a body that was dead, and a dead body from bones that were dry become a living, moving being. That's a wonder. Yeah, that's a wonder. God is making this ministry a sign and a wonder. Many ministries only experience signs, miracles, wonders. It's a different thing when God makes you a sign, a miracle, and a wonder. Jesus, he's awesome. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Because even in this moment, God, we've repented. We're coming to you, God. We're a family. We're a team. Lord, you've anointed us for a purpose. You've anointed us for a time. God, in this moment, we say, give us the grace for the one. Give us the grace for the lost, for the broken, for the hungry, for the desperate, for the depressed, for the one in the highway, the byway, for the one who's given up on life, for the one who's suicidal and depressed. Give us a heart, oh God, to want to just carry your, your agenda, your love to the broken. This is our month of outreach, oh God. Before we reach out to others, Father, we ask that you would reach into our hearts. Set it on fire. So that when we come into contact with people, they won't see lip service and face. They will feel your heart through us. They will know your love through us. Thank you for arriving in Hamilton. Thank you for our ministry in Chicago. Thank you, O oh God, for everything you're doing in this, in this ministry, in this church. Thank you for family. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I love you all so, so, so much. Thursday, we're at Fen Lounge. Thursday, Fen Lounge at Carlton University. Uh, we're doing like a little fall fest, so we'll have like, um, you know, a pie eating contest and, like, you know, apple. Is it? Oh, it's a secret? So, so, you Apple bobbing and pump, pump, pump. Was it pumpkin? Pumpkin. Pumpkin eating. No, pumpkin carving contest, whatever. All that stuff. time invite everybody you know every time we go to Fen Lounge places are almost over overflowing and so let's invite everybody students non-students young people at this point I don't care if you're if you're if you if you want Jesus come come and you'll experience it all right so we'll see you this Thursday 745 I'll be praying at Fen Lounge as well all right love you please connect with somebody
Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.